Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Liam, good morning, Lyle. How are you this morning? I am amazing this morning. It's amazing to hear. What are you thankful for this morning? Bargains on Facebook. Bargains on Facebook. What have you scored yourself? A tap. A tap? Yes. How good? What is it? Uh, what type of a tap no, is just, it? Uh, just your, you know, your mixer tap. Is it the one with the with the lever? Yeah, yeah, thing? the lever on the top. It uh, yeah, a mixer tap like that, and uh, you know they they go for a fair chunk of money. Yeah, when you buy them new, and it's nice to pick one up, including a sink, including wastes, including all the hoses and fittings that go with it. Uh, complete set. Um, the sink I'm now putting back on. Uh, on Facebook and we'll sell it for the for the price of uh, what I paid for well, the entire thing. There and, you go. And <laughs> uh, $20, $20 later and I'm in good shape. So um, free tap right there. <laughs> well done. I like, I like things that are free. <laughs> in fact, I might sell the sink for $30 and make a profit. You, you're going to be, you could start up a whole business of, of working things out like that. Of buying and selling sinks Absolutely. and taps. Absolutely. We'll see how we go. A sink wrecker. Make sure you keep us updated with that. I'll sell sink <laughs> parts. I'll sell all the parts separately. And, uh, uh, and, and I can sell the sink for $30. The two wastes, I'll get $10 each for those. The tap, I'll get, you know, $50 for that. And um, yeah, make a healthy profit right there. <laughs> well, um, I, my thankful thing is a bit different this morning. You, sometimes in life, things get you down. And um, yesterday, something didn't quite happen to me. And uh, you got to learn from them. You got to be thankful for them, and you got to grow from them. So I am thankful for the chook that uh, that was flapping its wings and pushed the uh, the chicken wire into my face. And, and oh, you got a doozy! And, and you have an absolute doozy this morning, from, right from on my cheek. Um, for those of you, well, everybody who can't see Liam <laughs> has a scar that runs from uh, the side of his nose right the way down his cheek from end to end. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so what have we got in the, happening in the world of positively different news there, Liam? I, uh, I was thinking to myself yesterday about, uh, I heard a phrase and I wanted to know its origin. A stone's throw away. Okay. Where, where do you think that comes from? Probably from, you know, old mate just guesstimating a distance and like, yeah, I reckon I could chuck a stone that far and saying that's a stone's throw away. That's what I, I would mean, guess. I, I sort of picture it like this. There's someone that's about to do a news report and just before he does, he picks up a stone and throws it and, and oh, ah, sorry, mate, just, just, uh, and uh, I can confirm that they are a stone's throw away from us right now. Uh, and <laughs> okay, so where, where, where does it originate from? Well, I, it's, it's a general term, really. Um, but actually, do you have your Bible there? I do have my Bible. Well, can you open up your Bible to Luke chapter 22 and verse 41, and we'll see if uh, we've got any idea of where the the phrase... So this is a biblical term. There you go. Well, look, possibly. It's it's something that certainly could be interpreted as that. Um, And I... I, I, Yeah, so Luke chapter 22, verse 41. What... uh, Look, my Bible's falling apart here. Looking through the pages. Uh, 22 verse 41, the Bible says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and kneeled down and prayed. Okay, there you go. There you go. It's a biblical term. It is indeed. For a very, very long time. So I thought that was pretty cool when I found that out. Yeah. Because it's, it's not a... It's, uh, yeah, anyway, my mind just went crazy when I started thinking about where that, that phrase could have come from. Over in America, obviously, there's a ton of... Not great things happening with all the riots, um, and some people are getting afraid. 
There's one man from Nashville, Tennessee, who is or was afraid to go for a walk in his own neighborhood. He said that the perception he gets from his neighbors is that they're afraid of him. They're afraid that, you know, something might happen because he is an African-American, because he's black. Absolutely. I, there's no surprise to this whatsoever at all. When you have African-Americans who are rioting, of course they're going to create fear, and that fear is going to create racial profiling. What, what do the rioters expect? Absolutely. And in the, in the, you know, in the wake of uh, George Floyd's death and, and everything that's been going on with that, he was even more afraid, and he made himself, he, he made himself vocal about this on Facebook. And the response, actually quite, quite uh, it surprised him. Over 150 people came out and supporting him, said, listen, I'm from your neighborhood, I'm from your area, I'm going to walk with you. Yeah, I good. am Praise happy to That's walk a, with uh-huh. you. That's what we need to have happening. And that is the opposite of rioting, and that's how we solve these kind of absolutely. problems. Absolutely. This guy, he wasn't trying to make a parade. He wasn't trying to make a protest. He just wanted to walk. Yeah. And he just wanted to feel safe walking, just, to, just as all the, these 150 yeah. other people wanted to feel safe walking. That's right. Um, and I'm just so – I'm, I'm reminded of a couple of phrases. He will not walk alone. That is something that I think is that we all need to remember right now, um, as well as a phrase that is worldwidely known to be quite famous: "United we stand, and, you, and divided we fall." There's actually another verse in the Bible that uh, I've been I've been going to the Bible for this uh, today, um, in Mark chapter three and verse. 24, it says, a kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. And 25 says, similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. So the Bible says that when two people or when two groups of people are not for the common good, when they're from one group, and in this case, that one group is Americans, when they're from one group and they've got two opposing views, they're going to fall. They're going to collapse. They're going to, the, the conflict will rise and the bonds will well when there's not. war anyway you know when yeah. there's healthy discussion no they'll grow oh, stronger oh yeah absolutely uh, but when violence becomes involved they're going to collapse Simple absolutely as that. you cannot you cannot survive that kind of thing um, but you know in this walk there was people of every ethnicity there was uh, black white there was any and, and everything in between and it was amazing to really see this group of people embrace uh, this, this man. He's a 29-year-old man who's lived in this location. His, his family has lived in this one location on this corner, the corner of a street, for 54 years. And I think that this is something we need to remember. The vast majority of Americans are peaceful, loving people who are not involved in rights. There is a small, very, very small minority of criminals who are out rioting and they should be arrested and charged and dealt with according to the law. It is a large country. It has a very large population. And so that means that there are going to be enough people to create significant amounts of damage when that incredibly small portion of the population riots. The media would have us believe that the whole country is in uproar. The whole country is not in uproar. The whole country is not hating on each other. The whole country, as a general rule, loves each other. You've just got this significant vocal minority of criminals who need to be locked away. Uh, something that absolutely blew my mind from this. Sean Drumgall is his name, and he said that uh, he'd been sto- he had been stopped by police, and he asked them why, and 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 Sean said in a statement, he was stopped by police for walking while black. Well, there you go. And <laughs> I'm that was just that was shocking to me. 
Like, what by by saying that, they're implying that he can just sort of take off his black skin and put on a white skin. Yeah, there's some of these some of these statements. You know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the police, and there are some of these statements I do take with a grain of salt, particularly when um, badge cams have you know really brought the truth out. You know, yeah. so often where it's like, oh, this happened, then that happened, and the other happens. Like, well, actually, here's the camera footage. Yeah. So, um, so I, there's some things that I take with a. With, now it may have happened. Yep. I'm not saying it didn't. Yep. And if that kind of thing does happen, then uh, you know those police officers don't deserve to be police officers. But I've got to say that you know, badge cams are one of those things that have just created in my mind so much respect for the police. And when things are going bad, you and I have the uh, the option to practice our run through and uh, and just and get out of that bad situation. When things go bad, they are the ones. The police officers are the ones who have to run the opposite direction. They have to run towards the danger. That's that's what they are required to do. And just so much respect for them. There's always going to be bad eggs. You know, one or two small ones here and there, in every. Uh, in, in, in every profession, but let's not, um, let's not brand them all the same way, eh? No, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, certainly some positive things coming out in our lives, and it's always good to remember the positive Hey, you want to hear things. a positive story real, real quick? Yeah. Have you got time for one? Uh, yeah, we've got 20 seconds. Let's go. Okay, so the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, who is 94 years old, Bless her soul. Um, has been seen for the first time since lockdown, oh. and guess what she was doing? What was she doing? Going to church? Uh, no, she's doing a bit of horse riding. Oh, good honour. Not bad effort at 94. We're a, some we're life goals right there. Were a corgis following her behind? Uh, the dogs. No, the corgis weren't there, but <sighs> it's a beautiful horse. Devastating. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joining us on the phone this morning is James Pontal from, of all places, far north Queensland. The A place that is uh, kind of close to your heart there, Liam. Absolutely. James, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Fantastic. Now, James, uh, you're just a uh, a young person who is down here actually in the local area, the local to us, uh, Newcastle, uh, Hunter region at the moment. But we want to hear about your journey of faith this morning, your testimony, how you came to God. And uh, so let's start. Have you always lived in uh, far north Queensland? No, no. So uh, when I was 17, um, I decided to move out of home. Um, I had a lot of conflict at home. Um, mostly because of me. I kind of wanted to do my own thing and um, I wasn't really too happy with um, going to church or anything or being told what to do. So I kind of ran away from home pretty much um, and for the last three years um, lived in Brisbane. Right. Okay, so let's go back to your family story then. You said that you, there was some conflict that was caused by you. Um, that's a, yeah. uh, always healthy to be able to acknowledge your own faults. Your your home, your home life is that. What, did you grow up in a Christian home? Yeah, yeah. So, um, mum mum became seven there Venice when she was about twenty, um, and um, met my dad, had me, um, and my younger brother, um, and she raised us up. We were going to church every week, um, and when I was a little kid, um, I didn't mind it. But the older I got, the more I started to resent going each week. Um, it turned out to the point where I was about. Uh, about 16 years old where I'd just sleep in on purpose to try and get out of um, going to church because I just wanted to do my own thing. <laughs> did you have Did you have many, uh, like a social network at church, that kind of thing, other people your own age or were you kind of like, you know, you and your brother the only ones that was, you know, young people? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Well, a lot of the time it was um, 
it seemed like it was only me and my younger brother um, in the youth group. There was, from time to time, there was um, a few others, but uh, what it felt like to me is even though there was one other person there, because it was me and my brother and just one other person or two other people, and my mum was taking the Sabbath school by about that age, and um, I, I was just kind of over it, and I was just like, well, what's this doing for me? So, yeah. Now, you moved down to Brisbane uh, when you were 17 years old. That's a fairly young age to uh, to run away from home, so to speak. Um, what were you doing in Brisbane? Were you catch surfing? Did you get a job? Um, were you able to find yourself a place? How did that work for you? Yeah, I, um, I just came down and I thought, oh, well, it was going to be like at two weeks, see if I could find some work. And then if not, I'd, I'd go back home. But the way I did it is I finished year 12. I worked for a month and I had about... 200 bucks in my bank account and I uh, I booked a flight to Brisbane. I quit my job one day and um, booked my flight to Brisbane the next day and came home and said, Mum, I'm going to Brisbane tomorrow. And she, she freaked out a bit, um, but she she was okay with it and um, they said, you're always welcome back home. And um, anyway, I just went and um, Mum actually found me a job with one of her friends that um, she knew from the church years ago. And um, I stayed with my brother and then I stayed with my grandma and um, I've lived with my grandma ever since. Um, and so I've just been working there. Um, and, yeah, throughout that time, um, I didn't want anything to do with church. I showed up about twice or three times over about two-year period. Um, I don't know why I ever showed up. Um, I guess I, I just kind of wanted something and I didn't really know what that something was. Um, at that time, I was pretty much just partying and drinking as much as I could, um, as much as I could afford to um, from working. But it just kind of created this bigger and bigger hole for me in my life. And it wasn't until almost two years later, um, my life just spiraled. This hole just became bigger and bigger and my life just kind of seemed to spiral off the edge of anything I ever wanted it to be. And I was just completely lost. Wow, that's um, that's while you were in that whole situation, what kind of work were you doing? Um, I was just working in a factory, and um, for me, I like to think about things and factory work and thinking about things don't really make a good combination. So to drown that out, I'd kind of um, go party and drink, and um, eventually, it just got the better of me, and um, I found myself. I couldn't think. I felt felt like I was trapped in these invisible walls while I was at work, and I, I didn't know what was wrong with me, and I had no direction in my life. And well, my first thought was, well, I'll just go down the pub and have a drink, and um, that just made everything ten times worse. And I, it got me thinking, like, what's this kind of world that I live in, where you know you think you can fix your own problems, and you know the way the world's telling me to fix my own problems, none of it seemed to be working. Um, I went to counselling and that didn't really seem to help and I was just completely lost until a friend of mine, um, Hannah and David, they invited me to come to church with them one time and they invited me over for dinner and um, I just couldn't understand the love of them, um, the love they had to show me because I'd done nothing for them and it just really inspired me and the more I came to church, the more I like understood how people I didn't know loved me way more than my friends I thought I had for the past few years. 
And that really clicked something in me that made me want to start hanging out with these people more and made me want to explore the Bible more. Okay, how long ago was this? Oh, how long? Oh, sorry. How long ago was this? This is about a year and a half ago or yep. a year and year and about eight months ago. So that must have um, really started you on another journey because your life has taken some pretty radical changes since then. And this couple that uh, befriended you and started taking you back to church, were they the ones who started to study the Bible with you or did you start to study the Bible by yourself? How did, what, t- tell us about that process. Well, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like they started to study the Bible with me, but here and there they'd um, tell me things and then um, eventually they'd start to invite me to the group Bible studies. We didn't really have one-on-one Bible studies um, until about big camp, um, New, northern New South Wales big camp last year, and that's when I said I really want to um, start doing, I really want to study the Bible. Um, and so at that time, I was swinging between a few different churches, and the church that I put um, wasn't the one um, that they went to. And so I started doing um, Bible studies with that pastor, and then I was going to their Bible studies with them on a Friday night um, with the rest of the church group. Um, yeah, and then the more Bible studies I could do, the, the happier I was. <laughs> So you've gone from a person who's been pretty lost, pretty depressed, um, trying to self-medicate, not working, to just finding more and more and more joy in life. Um, where did your journey go next? Because uh, now you're down here in uh, New South Wales, and so your journey's taken quite a few twists and turns. Um, where, where does it go after? Where, where does it go next after um, this Bible study time? Yeah. So I was. Um I was doing these Bible studies, but it was like I'd do a Bible study. I'd feel hyped up for about a day and a half, and then I'd feel kind of low about two days later because I was trying to, you know, make my life perfect myself, um, and it just wasn't working. And anyway, um, about six months to eight months later, um, came to the end of last year, and um, I just got told as we were going on um, – Christmas break, two-week Christmas break for work. Um, they told me, hey, you've got an extra week off um, because we don't have any work for you. So they added an, So I had three weeks off instead of two weeks off, and I was stressed, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? I said, I've got nothing to do. I don't have any money coming in. I don't know what I'm going to do. And um, anyway, I ring up my friends, um, Hannah and David, that um, brought me to church, and I said, oh, do you guys want to hang out tonight or something? Completely unrelated or completely forgotten about the morning. And they said, no, they said we can't, but you should come over for dinner. So I went over for dinner and um, halfway through dinner, they say, hey, you know what? You come to this um, summer camp that we're doing. Um, And I said, oh, I can't. I've got work. And they said, oh, okay, well, it's this date. And it was the, the date that morning that they just told me I had off. And so from that morning... Um, oh, from that night, I rang up Dana and I sorted it out and I went to summer camp and um, through summer camp, um, it just made me really see that I really want to live my life in a different way and I decided to um, finally say, like, I really do want to get baptised. And after summer camp, I was just searching for more and more and more, even more than I had been before. Um, at work, I stopped listening to even... Um, 
anything secular. And I was just listening to Bible studies all day. I just wanted more and more. Ah, and about a week later... Put the put Faith FM on your app and then uh, you can listen to Faith FM while you're at work. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah, so it was about a few days later where I had this thought and I said to my friend, because um, these guys were telling me to go to Arise for about four months or six months earlier. And I said, no, nah, I shut it down because I thought they were all a bunch of crazies. But I said to him, I said, hey, I wouldn't mind going to that Arise thing. And so I rang up Lyndon and he said, I've got no spots left. And I said, oh, all right. I said, but put me on a wait list. And he said, well, there's about eight people on the wait list or something. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I said, I've got four days until I've got to tell university whether I'm going to start this year or not. And I said, if anything changes, let me know. And it didn't look like anything was going to happen, but I was praying and I was fasting. And it swung around to um, three and a half days later. And I rang up Lyndon, um, who runs the Rise, um, who was the organizer there. And I said, Lyndon, what's the go? This is about half an hour before I have to apply for university or tell him whether I'm going to take it or leave it. And he says, well, um, someone rang me up this morning and um, just said they can't make it. He said, and you're the only one that can get no one else can get visas in this amount of time. And I said, well, you're the only one that can come. And so I thought, you beauty. So um, I was praying, God, I didn't really even have enough money. And I said, God, if, um, if this is what you want me to do, then um, you're going to provide for me, I know. And um, so I went to Rise, um, and after about seven weeks, Rise got cancelled. Um, I had no clue again um, until I got invited with some friends um, from Rise to Stay at your old place, Lyle. And, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's where that's where our stories kind of intersect. There, isn't it? A little bit. So I was yeah, moving out yeah. of a place. These guys were looking for a place. They ended up in my old place, and uh, just as the lockdown was all starting to happen. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> there's eight of us in the house, and um, yeah, we made it through. We did did a bit of ministry um we're making videos we made a website um it's called the abram journey oh it's called abramjourney.org um we've got a youtube and a facebook and stuff and so we're trying to do stuff on that um and yeah after this period we did all the classes during the daytime um the, we did the arise online classes because the arise course had finished obviously and um as we were learning more about the Bible, well, it, we started to come to an end of what Arise would have been, and um, we didn't really have anywhere to go. A few people were doing Bible working, but I just kind of had this – I didn't really want to ask, and I don't know why, but I had this want in the back of my head. I just said, God, if you're going to – like, if you want me to do this, just get someone to ask me because I don't really feel like asking. And sure enough, um, Blake Penland, who runs RTM Church – Raymond Terrace there, he um, invites me out for a surf and we go for a surf and he says, you want to do Bible working for me? And I thought, uh, well, I'll have to consider it. And um, long story short, yeah, I, I made up my mind. And so now I'm doing Bible working um, for the next six months at Raymond Terrace here. Got to love uh, uh, Pastor Blake's um, recruitment um, techniques there. Finds, <laughs> finds unlikely Bible workers like, yeah, I need this guy. Um, God's got a God's got a calling on his life. How can I convince him to come to Raymond Terrace? Well, let's go surfing. We'll talk about it over surfing. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> yeah, praise God. Okay, so you've just recently started there at Raymond Terrace because um, 
Yeah, the, the the deal over at my old place, that sort of came to an end and you guys have separated your, your, your different ways. And it seems to me, just looking back over your life, that for the last couple of years or so since you gave your life to God, God has just sort of been leading you step by step, opening one door at a time. And, and as the cloud, so to speak, moves, you've been moving with it. Yeah. Well, it's... it's <laughs> I mean, every time I look back... It's you can I can get lost in the in the moments and I can go for weeks and think, Oh, what's gonna happen? And I can start getting stressed and then all I've gotta do is ring up ring up a friend and say, Hey, I don't know how to you know because I, I wasn't too sure about Bible working and I didn't have enough money and I was freaking out and I rang up my friend and I said, Look, I'm I've got bills and I, I set up phone contracts and stuff and bought a laptop while I was working and then I quit to do a rise and so I had no income. I rang up my friend and I said, look, I'm, I'm just afraid. And they said, it's okay to be afraid. They said, but don't forget, like look back and don't forget like how much God's done for you. He's literally brought you everywhere. And I just sometimes I got to slap myself to um, – just because if I forget what God's done for me, because it's it's so amazing that I can't deny it. That's fantastic, James. James, we're going to have to move on with the show, but uh, thank you so much for joining us here on The Breakfast no Show worries. this morning. It's um, It's been a pleasure having you and hearing your story. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so our question of the day is, give it to us there, Liam. Is the most question of the one. day, it is, it's regarding Joshua. When Joshua was marching around the wall seven times, did he march on the Sabbath? And if so, does that mean that the that the walls of Jericho fell on the Sabbath? Okay, so let's read what the Bible says, and you can find this in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2. Beginning verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given into your hand Jericho and the king and the mighty men of valor. You shall surround the city, all you men of war, and go around about the city once. This you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall surround the city seven times. And the priest will blow with the trumpets and it will come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people will shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat and the people shall ascend up every man straight away before him. And so this is exactly what took place. And so for six days there was a procession. And what needs to be noted was that this procession was not a military procession. It was a religious procession. Now, I've been a part of a number of religious processions. Uh, probably the most notable one was one that I was a part of in, um, in Ethiopia, where they were carrying a replica of the Ark of the Covenant, and literally half of the city turned up for that procession at like four o'clock in the morning it was the most amazing thing. And you'd have, you know, people, the, 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 the men out front, the women behind, and they're singing and they're answering each other and they're singing backwards and forwards to each other. And they've all got candles. And it was, um, it was, yeah, it was interesting. However, on the last day of this uh, series of religious processions, the last one was not a religious procession. It was a military procession. Okay, so the question that comes up is this. Is it wrong? Because one of those days, because you've got seven days there. Indeed. One of those days was clearly the Sabbath. Yes. Is it wrong to have a religious procession on the Sabbath day? I wouldn't think so. No, me either. It's just a different form of worship. There are many, 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 many different forms of worship. And going to church, singing hymns, listening to a sermon, and doing small group Bible study is one form of worship out of many. Indeed. And a religious procession 
particularly one that I've been a part of, was very, very much a form of worship. And so if the Sabbath fell on one of those days where they were having a religious procession, because you need to remember that Moses, uh, that Joshua had said, you know, for these six days, nothing's going to happen. This is, this is not a time, that we're not going to be going for war. It was only on that last day that they would be prepared to fight. And so, you know, one would assume that this would be because of the religious nature of what was taking place and the fact that this was an act of worship and that it was a demonstration that God was the one who was doing the work and that the Israelites were resting from the work of siege warfare. You know, there's a lot of Sabbath symbolism that comes into this whole process. One would assume this begins on the Sabbath and they take the city on the Friday. That would be the natural assumption um, from reading the passage as we have it described for us here in the book of Joshua. And that, of course, Friday when they take the city, yes, that is going to be a military operation. That is not something you do on the Sabbath day. But Sabbath, when you start the, um, the whole process, then that definitely is something that you would do on the Sabbath day and is definitely Sabbath appropriate. So there's a couple of things to think about. There are others who try and make very, very deep, complex uh, lunar calendars to try and work their way around this solution, but they hold absolutely no water whatsoever at all.